Today's guest is Om Rapani. Om is a domination and submission instructor, and he's no stranger to the podcast. He's been on quite a few times. In fact, I recommend going back and listening to some of our older episodes. We've had some great conversations. And um, I want to speak to him after I just saw the Red Pill documentary, which is a feminist documentary on men's rights and, and you know speaks about male pain quite a bit and i wanted to speak with Owen about his views on this subject because um, masculinity and vulnerability and how to express vulnerability and how to deal with pain and hardship and how that ties into some of the virtues of masculinity strength and ability to deal with shit i, I was curious on on his take and where the lines are drawn and he brought up some important nuances that i think are very important for everyone to hear, particularly men of my generation, millennials and younger, I think is very critical uh, given the way that, given the culture that most of us were raised in, at least in the first world. So uh, some really important stuff brought up in, in this episode. Ohm has some uh, workshops coming out, quite a few workshops scheduled for 2020. I know some of them aren't confirmed yet. Um, he's a Tantra BDSM, uh, Tantra meets BDSM workshop levels one and two. And this is something I highly recommend. Um, when I've spoken about, I mean, I've spoken about Ohm quite a bit. I quote him quite a lot. I, it's, uh, you know, not only is he a friend, but I, I really respect his work and it's had a very positive impact on, on me. And I've taken his level one quite a few times because there's always some good stuff. So obviously domination submission is not for everyone. However, one thing I want to point out is like, I'm not really into kink myself. It's not really my jam, but the way it's taught in his workshops are really dig into the archetypal psychology, which I certainly find very fascinating and applicable to life and relationships and, and expression as a man or woman. I mean, sexual identity and are these archetypes apply to everyone. And listeners of the podcast can get $50 off um, by using the discount code Rwando. Type in Rwando at omrapani.org is where all his workshops are. If you sign up, put in the discount code Rwando, you'll get 50 bucks off. Um, he's got dates in the United States and in Europe. And if you happen to go to the ones in Europe, I will be at one of them. I'm not sure which one. I know he doesn't have all the cities confirmed yet, but I'll be in Europe for the spring and summer. I'm going to try to make it out to one of them. So if you want to meet me in person and you want to do the DS thing and you, whatever, I just want to do something fun for a weekend, you can check that out. Right now you're listening to episode 077, Omrapani Masculine Resilience. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm great to see you. Hello. Yeah. Uh, so many things to speak about today. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've been going kind of deep into the Red Pill community and um, watch the Red Pill movie, and I'm, I'm curious about some of your takes because you and I have spoken about Rolo's work before and uh, their takes on masculinity and male man woman relating. Um, and I'm curious. Uh, uh, oh, first, uh, how how far have you have you have you read anything uh, about with like the Red Red Pill stuff beyond the rational male since we last I spoke? Have, uh, as far as I've seen. I've come across their ideas more on YouTube. I think I read, either I read Rolo Tomasi. I think I read Rolo Tomasi's book a while back. It's been a, it's been a little while, but yeah, I'm kind of familiar with the idea, but I'm not immersed in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I read Rational Mail. I think uh, one of the last times we spoke, we we spoke about that. Um, and one thing I found interesting, I, I have a client. I have a couple of clients who come from that community, and there's things I agree with, there's things I disagree with. But one thing I was actually very impressed by was how systemized uh, it is. And I think that's one of the negatives, even like their system of masculinity. And I'm uh, I, I, before we jump into like specifics, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on, on it in general of like kind of it's kind of like a harsh stance on man, woman relating, but they have a lot of rules. And I'm curious what your what your take is on it. I don't you need to be a little bit more specific for me. I don't. Give me something more specific. I don't know what your. I don't know what the global sure is sure. There's. Uh, well, let's let's back up a, a second. So uh, one thing that came up in the Red Pill movie um, was I was actually kind of disappointed that there's a lot of guys uh, basically complaining about their pain and like dumping it on oh society is not taking care of us and stuff. Which I, I was actually hoping that they would have a really good argument for men's rights and stuff like that. But instead, it was a lot of guys kind of whining and being unmasculine. And I guess like the, the, the main thing I, I want to speak about with you first is like how, how men deal with their pain, especially in relationship to women. Um, and yeah. It's a, it sounds like a big 
Nothing's popping up in my brain on how men process. Okay. <laughs> okay. Actually, this is sorry. I, I might have started a little too abstract there. Yeah. We can, we can, we can chop and stuff. Um, okay. Actually, let me let me boil to this down to a more concrete idea. Um, okay. So, so one thing that came up for me while watching the movie and going to the into the red pill stuff. And actually, this is actually something I've been thinking about because it's come up in my relationship of like how I how I experience my pain or my softness or times I get hurt because we're all he- human beings with my woman. Because uh, you and I come from communities where a general ethos is feel your feelings, learn how to be vulnerable, of course, that's in general. But there is something, it's maybe like an old world view on masculinity of like, you can't always be processing your pain with your woman necessarily. And I'm, it's something, it's, I guess I started off kind of vague here because it's something I'm still wrestling in my own mind. Like, where is the right line? Because there's one way of being like, oh, it's always important to express your emotions. But there's also like a masculine virtue of dealing with your own shit. And I'm curious uh, if you have any thoughts on that say for a man in a relationship or that that i can say something i mean i kind of agree with your premise i think there is a balance in there about men being open-hearted men not being shut down men not suppressing their emotions and also not laying all their emotions all their pain all their struggles at the feet of the woman they're in a relationship with. I don't think women tolerate that for too long. And I think there is a difference. Their attraction level for you will go down. Mm-hmm. You do that too much. And I think, so again, this has to be a little bit nuanced. Otherwise, people always, especially in today's climate, everybody is interpreting everything as either or. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think women actually thrive if if a woman really loves a man, if she feels this is my guy and I want to build with him, then being of use to him in his struggles, being of help to him through a tight spot can be beautiful. Women thrive on that. Men and women can bond deeper when that happens. But what I've seen not work is when men kind of tend to go into a collapse and kind of leave all their misery and their collapse at their women's feet. And that can be a, almost like a trigger, like a switch off of attraction in a women's system because they need their men to hold their own. They don't expect them to be perfect. They don't expect them to be never be challenged. But they do want to see their men rise to the challenge. Mm-hmm. They want to feel that their men have lost, that their men have given up. This is a thing, this is a topic that I've written about elsewhere. This is, you know, this is, a. again, I shared this a while ago, the beautiful passage in uh, Grapes of Wrath, right in the opening pages that I shared in my men's class, and I've written about it. Uh, it's like, I think it expresses this entire dynamic in like one paragraph. I actually shared that paragraph about, you know, it's the dust bowl and the crops mm-hmm. have completely been destroyed by, and that Steinbeck describes the scene as the men are out in the field looking at the devastation of their crops and they're completely at a loss because this is a big hit. It's such a huge hit. They don't know what they're going to do. And he describes the scene as the men are looking at their fields and the women are looking at their men. Mm-hmm. And the women are looking at to see if our men are going to break. Mm-hmm. Our men, is this hardship so bad that our men are going to break? And then the women observe something in men's their men's expression and they they again i have uh, i have to read the passage is absolutely gorgeous but to some degree they they perceive them going from feeling completely crushed to kind of getting pissed a little bit maybe mm-hmm. and they observe that in their men and they know our men are not going to break and if the women know that they say we're fine we'll deal with the rest mm-hmm. so as long as they're they feel their men are intact they feel their men are ready to put their shoulder into whatever challenge has come in, I think women can be amazing partners. I think that's what a true marriage is supposed to be. That when hardships come your way, neither the man or the woman collapses and they shoulder together and they love each other and they support each other. The great romance 
doctors have this in them all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's men and women get hit by something really challenging. It could be as devastating as the illness or death of a child. It could be nature. It could be economic distress. There are great novels of uh, from the Great Depression that kind of depict this camaraderie that men and women had when faced with amazing challenges against very terrible odds. And I don't think women think less of their men if their men go through a down phase or if they feel challenged. But what they don't want to see is the men kind of collapsing and escaping. Mm-hmm. Because that, to some degree, he's kind of almost breaking the contract between men and women. He's yeah. not for her, and he's collapsed within himself. And to some degree, she feels alone in a way in that partnership. Mm-hmm. If that yeah. happens, I think women have a very limited tolerance for that. Hmm. Yeah, I think you pointed to like a really important nuance. And I think this is uh, maybe one of my criticisms of Red Pill of like they get like this really hard stance of like, at least the way I perceive like kind of uh, posturing perfection or like if you and it's, it's an insecurity I felt myself like if I show too much weakness, I'm sure every guy has felt this or experienced this maybe if I show too much weakness, if she sees me fail things are, uh, she's going to lose attraction no matter what her beliefs are. But you're kind of pointing to the one thing that you can control, which is like whether you choose or not to accept the loss or or, uh, basically giving up or not, uh, which is always within one's control. I agree with you. I think the the use of the word weakness needs to be examined a little bit. Just because you have taken a hit doesn't mean you're weak. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the the cartoon version of masculinity is, is you never show that you have taken a hit, that you are in sorrow, that you are down, that you're depressed. I think I don't think all of that is weakness. Mm-hmm. You could have taken a hit and be amazingly strong. You so you could have had a death in your family. It doesn't mean you're weak. Mm-hmm. But you could take a hit and then you can completely fall apart to the point where you're not really available anymore, where you're not really reliable anymore. And that gets interpreted. I mean, even weakness is not even the perfect description of it. It's just kind of you've you've kind of ejected from the partnership if you're collapsed within yourself. Right. And I think that sets off kind of an alarm in the systems of women when their primary partner does that. Mm-hmm kind of if he loses his job if he has a health challenge whatever challenge comes and she feels kind of the man has collapsed and separated from him and if he hasn't done that then and if they are still together and they can still love each other then i think men and women can show that's where the heroics of relationships can be mm-hmm. like when you find your way out of those challenges there can be an opportunity in there to like actually deepen intimacy because shared hardship is uh can be amazing wellspring for intimacy for two people that it can be great doesn't even have to be between them it can the great stories of brotherhood the great stories of men finding their bonding together usually involves them facing a challenge together war mm-hmm. stories are built around the same premise mm-hmm. you don't even have to like the guy you don't even have to know the guy too well but you have shared harsh hardship together and you have had each other's back that automatically generates a bond. It generates love. It generates loyalty. Can you speak more on the the contract you mentioned? I, I think it would be great to maybe unpack that in terms of man-woman relating or any relationship, I guess. I think women pick men because they feel the man is going to contribute something to their life. They pick men. I think we all do. I think it's simply logical. But our, I think our, uh, what do you call it? Our, not standards, but our qualifications are, what we need from each other is different. Our needs are not completely mirrored. Mm-hmm. I think women more than men are looking for strength. It's They're looking for, this also I wrote about recently. At, at one level, they are looking for that protection and provision because that is one aspect of the male-female dynamic. It may not apply as much in the civilized world, 
where people are so independent and our societies are relatively safe. Mm-hmm. But so those at every level, I think there are we are looking for qualities in each other that we feel will make our lives more whole and more rich. So this, I think looking for a man who is strong, someone who can provide form to the feminine chaos, someone who can kind of stand in the fire and be solid is one of the things that attracts strong men to women. So if the men kind of abandon that, if the men abandon that strength, then it's like you've kind of broken the contract of why the women picked you in the first place. Hmm. That was one of the things on your resume is they said, I need this. That's why I'm mm-hmm. saying yes to you. And if you stop doing that, that becomes problematic. That lowers the attraction level the woman has for that man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one thing that, uh, you know, in that Red Pill documentary that kind of irked me at how I was calling it these guys were being unmasculine by complaining, oh, women treat us this way. But like, uh, yeah, I guess the point is to, to what you said that they're kind of opting out of the the, the purpose of masculinity in a relationship or society by complaining about problems they're unwilling to fix in themselves or deal with i'll have to watch this documentary i've heard a lot about it i've seen clips um yeah it was on my like watch list for a long time and i was very excited to watch it especially with my girlfriend but i found it i I was kind of disappointed maybe it was I mean, it's been a couple of years. Maybe it was uh, more profound back then, but it's basically a feminist recognizing, oh, men have feelings too. Big revelation. I kind of found it right. quite dry. Yeah, that part of it. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that that part needed to be discovered. I mean, it's like almost, it's disheartening almost. It's really sad mm-hmm. that things have gotten to the point where modern women, 21st century women, have this view of masculinity, like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, good. It's, uh, you know, the women are the ones always banging the drum about empathy, 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 and like the amount um, lack of empathy I've seen. And I've seen the clip. I remember one specific clip, I think it was in the movie where feminists, I think it was at some university where feminists are like being really horrible in their language and their attitude towards men who are trying to hold a men's rights meeting. And their agenda was male suicide. I don't know if this clip was in the movie. This woman is completely in this guy's face and they shut down mm-hmm. the meeting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. saying any men's right activists are basically anti-feminist or anti-women. These guys were there to discuss the alarmingly high rate of male suicide. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, I, I don't even care you're a woman. I don't even care you're a feminist. You're a fucking sociopath. You're like, like what, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how clouded are you by your feminist bullshit? Just how much has your gender studies and feminist studies and victimized studies department brainwashed you that you are so fucking blind to the human beings that are standing in front of you? The, and these statistics are not made up. Men, men kill themselves on magnitudes higher than women. I mean, don't you have fathers? Don't you have brothers? Don't you care what's happening with half of the population? And here you want to stand up and say any, anything men need, the feminist can provide. I'm like, you are out of your fucking mind and you're a repulsive human being. This is why I think it's really repugnant. Mm-hmm. especially what's happening on campuses and especially what's what's falling under the banner of feminism. And then women come out and say, no, feminism is only about women's equality. Yeah, that's women's equality. Women mm-hmm. in a guy's face calling him horrible things because he was there to host or participate in the men's meeting that wanted to talk about male suicide. I'm like, this is repugnant. So if men are protesting about that, and I think there is a deep hypocrisy in that aspect, that women are the one and the feminists are the ones saying men are horrible and we are all full of love and empathy and understanding. And I'm like, and this is how you act, you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's really disgusting. So if, if men are protesting that aspect, 
outside women are acting in society and complaining about that, I'm on board with it. I think those people are shit. Hmm. I think they should be opposed. I think they should be protested, and I don't think you should back down from them. I don't think I don't even care about the man woman dynamic. As a human being, you're being right. total. It is yeah. not a man woman issue, man. It is a man woman issue in the sense that men commit suicide more than women. I would think women would be interested in talking about it. Women have not come from a different fucking planet. Don't you have fathers and brothers you care about? Right. Yeah. Male returning soldiers are killing themselves at a rate that is horrifying. The suicide rate among returning veterans is absolutely fucking horrifying. These are your brothers. These are your husbands. Do, do you not care about the men around you, about the men in your life? This is not part of your problem. It's like mind-boggling to me. This is not a man-woman fighting issue. This is a human issue. This is a societal issue. What kind of a citizen are you being? What kind of a human being are you being? It's shocking to me. So as far as that goes, men complaining about those aspects, about the lack of empathy on women's part towards men's misery, then yeah, I think they have a legitimate point. I don't think it's all about personal relationships or whatever the dynamic in there is. I think a lot of it has to do with how men are being treated at a societal level and how their overall misery is kind of being discarded. And I think it is nonsense. I think it is deep hypocrisy when that's happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, maybe it's because I'm in this space a lot and think about these things. Or I just, I just found that the fact that that whole movie made that a revelation was like ridiculous. Like, yes, people on both sides are lacking compassion for the other side, so they can maintain a victim identity. As like, I thought the movie could have gone deeper than that. Is what I was my disappointment. We'll, we'll discuss the movie mm -hmm. some other time. Yeah, yeah. Listen, even the clips I have watched of topics like. This. They have been a revelation to me. I didn't know many of the numbers, for instance, mm -hmm. that uh, workplace injuries and deaths for men are like astronomical compared to women. Mm -hmm. Men get longer sentences for the same crimes compared to women. I actually was not that familiar until recently that men's suicide rates were that alarmingly high compared to women. I Why do you think that is, actually? Boys are falling so far behind in school compared to women. Universities are like graduating 60% women, 40% men, and women are still whining about, we need affirmative action for women. I'm like, when does this stop? Hmm. Like, I don't really see the logic of it. It's like they completely cannot see that men have needs are, forget men, men. You, these are your boys. These are your children. These are your sons. These are kids. Do you hmm. not? care kids of boys are not doing as well mm -hmm. i mean this this like antipathy towards masculinity is like pathological at this point it really is like blind rage mm -hmm. it's dehumanizing at least in those circles at least with those people who are acting that way and no matter what numbers you show them what facts you show them they're like no men are still horrible and you need to do more for women i'm like you're insane why do you think boys are falling behind I don't have a full answer for that. You would have to like really talk to experts. Okay, fair enough. I don't have children. I don't. I don't quite know. I mean, they would. The the some of the explanations I've heard. But I'll tell you one thing. I firmly believe, and I feel the the absent of fathers is a huge contribution to the pretty much falling apart mm -hmm. of masculinity and young men. And, I think that is a huge factor. That, mm -hmm. one, that one I can feel in my bones. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, people have pointed out that, you know, like, I don't know what the number is, 78, 80%, 75% of teachers are women. And a lot of this, this I've heard from a couple of friends who have sons that pretty much uh, school, especially uh, early grades, probably higher grades too have like completely become feminized boys are supposed to just sit there and be quiet and behave nicely as girls tend to do where boys tend to be more robust they want to run around they want to play fight and they want to tussle and all of that is being forbidden in a lot of places 
and a lot more boys and girls are being uh, put on medication to calm them down. And I'm like, none of that is really good. It's almost like you're taking half the population and finding them inherently wrong. You don't have a way of accommodating their nature. And I'm like, that can't be good. You can't have an entire education system that's leaning towards feminine nature. Yeah, I remember when I was in elementary school, they forbid running at recess at one point. Like half of my elementary school, we could actually play normally the way kids did for many decades. And then at some point, a kid skinned his knee, and then suddenly no running was allowed. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I, and yeah, as I say, I, I don't have children. I don't have first-hand account of this, but I hear it from, I think I heard this from Jordan Peterson, who said at some point, the school that his kids were in, I think it was Jordan, it might have been somebody else, some other, but they said the school passed a policy, no snowball fights. Because mm-hmm. it's too aggressive or something. You're like out of your, or what are you, are you, you know, it's like, come on. Who are you catering to? What is your ideal? What kind of human beings are you creating? Right. So I think all of this, and not only, it's not its not just a matter of policy. It's more a matter like we are, we are finding this behavior wrong. Right. If you are the kind of boy who wants to tussle and fight and throw snowballs, no, you need to, it's not only that we don't hit each other. No, you are wrong. Your nature is wrong. You're right. behaving in such a way that doesn't belong in society. Now, that is a pretty big judgment to pass on human beings this tiny. Right. And then to start medicating them. And then if these boys are growing up and falling behind or feeling depressed or feeling that there's something wrong with them, and God help me for saying this, maybe they don't want to be boys anymore. <laughs> you think there might be a connection? Right. If being a boy is so fucking bad and girls are fucking perfect. Yeah. I mean, could be, could be. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking from my own experiences. At, I, I was born in 88, so I was a child during the participation trophy introduction, at least on the East Coast. I think we were a little bit behind the West Coast. But yeah, I mean, it changed a lot of, uh, made it easier. It I mean, took away the virtue of competition which I think uh, is kind of needed for a boy's development. That, I believe, is total crap. I think that has done a lot of harm. I think that participation trophy mentality is a sickness of our time. I think that is as deeply contributed to to creating the fragility we see on college campuses these days. Yeah. It feels like that nonsense is turning around. It's turning around because it's like its effect is so disastrous. It's kind of obvious these days. These mm -hmm. kids are non-functional. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty optimistic about it as well. I was just going to say, I do think with these conversations, like there is a pushback now of my generation of younger, of recognize, I kind of return to conservative values, hopefully in a more uh, conscious way. Of, uh, I mean, a lot of guys are recognizing this my age and younger of like, oh, yeah, I mean, the, th- the things that our grandfathers cared about, hard work, shutting up, doing your work, that's actually what is needed sometimes. It is needed. I think, you know, again, I think the word stoicism, again, gets a bad rap because people are simplistic. You actually read Marcus Aurelius and his ideas on stoicism. It's very Zen, actually. It's very Buddhist. It's not saying don't feel anything. It's saying be in touch with reality. If you are in touch with reality, and if you expect the expect life to be hard, then deal with it. it. Doesn't mean be unfeeling. It means stop collapsing, stop breaking down. Mm-hmm. Accept life is going to be difficult. Accept that there are going to be challenges. Accept that you're going to lose, and make room for all of that because that's what being a grown up in this world looks like. So it's almost like you know, take a, take a, take the idiotic example of a participation trophy. Essentially. You're saying there is no such thing as losing. That's the message. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as losing. That there is nothing you can do and lose in the world. I'm like, that is a horrible fucking message. That does not correspond to the universe. That's what you're saying. You You can be a complete clown, ass clown on the soccer field, and we're still going to give you a trophy in the end. What the hell kind of a message is that? Mm-hmm. That's nuts. 
If anything, the message should be, you could work your ass off and still have your ass handed to you on the field because the other people are just better than you. At least they're better than you today. Mm-hmm. That's the correct message because it, it is in harmony with reality. That's the way it should be. Do your very best and you still may completely fall on your face. Because that's how life functions. That's the message. That is the lesson we should learn as kids. Instead of saying you're completely perfect and your trophy at the end is guaranteed. What kind of life are you preparing these people for? Right. So, I I mean, this might, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this without being too general, but uh, a lot of guys I speak to my age and younger have made this realization. They're like, I was raised to be soft. I'm a 30 something boy inside. I realize I need to face facts. I realize I need to do all these things, but they they are still they're uh, conditioned against this ability to deal with loss. Or like every time they try, they fail. Or I mean, we could talk about hierarchy or, or in, a, in a second, but like they're always at the bottom of every competition. What would what if anything would you say to such a person who maybe has already been conditioned, a man who's already been conditioned in a participation trophy culture? You should watch Rocky. <laughs> no, really, they should watch Rocky. They should watch every goddamn movie ever made with uh, with this kind of a theme mm-hmm. of what it takes to succeed. It, you have to not give up. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite uh, thinkers and authors that I've discovered recently is Jonathan, Jonathan Haidt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant man. He has amazing books, amazing ideas. I would highly recommend him. You know, he talks a lot about all these topics that we are talking about. And it's like you, part of his conversation is about Mm -hmm. anti-fragility. Very beautiful idea that there are things that are fragile, like a glass, you drop a glass, it breaks. But there are other things that are anti-fragile. And one of the examples would be like a immune system. Mm-hmm. If a children, the child grows up in a bubble, that's actually not good. If you get a bunch of diseases and exposure, your immune system gets strong. And the premise is, well, we are strong. Human, the human spirit is anti-fragile. It's not advisable to keep us in a bubble. We actually grow weaker. But if you throw challenges at us and we face the challenges, we become stronger and stronger and stronger. And all hero, all stories whether it's a heroic journey at the level of Joseph Campbell, whether it's Rocky, they are basically deal with this, that you you will be handed setbacks, you will be handed losses, you will be kicked in the face, got to get up, keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. That's what life is like, because what choice do you have anyway? You're going to curl up and die? And if you are philosophical about it at one higher level, than that, it's like, well, that is what creates an interesting life. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go from a win to a win to a win. If you're going from a win to a win to a win, that means you're actually not reaching for anything higher. You're not really reaching for anything significant. If you reach for anything significant, you're going to fail in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We understand this, really. I mean, this is not rocket science. I'm not really saying anything terribly interesting. Right. Nobody, no, You don't expect to pick up the violin today and start playing tomorrow. It's retarded. Yeah. You, you don't do that with anything. With anything. You don't you don't you don't you don't buy a new goddamn iPhone and expect to understand how to use this fucking thing in a day. It's too complicated. Anything yeah. you take up, you're gonna fail at it. You're not gonna get it. You're gonna feel like an idiot. You're gonna make mistakes. But that's where the ride is, that's where the growth is. So why why such such an allergic reaction to failure? Yeah, And again, this is a very weak point in masculinity because there will be no art, there will be no mastery if you don't have stomach for failure. There's absolutely no possibility of mastery if you quit the first time or the second time. Mm-hmm. Or if you get humiliated and if you just collapse internally. So we have, if, if, if the men you're talking about, their constitutions are this way, that they simply cannot tolerate failure, they are weak. Flash news, you are fucking weak. There's something wrong in your character. And the only kind of remedy for this is you need to build your tolerance for failure and keep going. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it's reminding. Very boring life, and women will not find you attractive. <laughs> right. Well, I firmly believe this. I really right, right. firmly believe the reason women reject men out of hand. This is my hypothesis, and I'm sticking with it. You will see this in every romantic comedy. You will see this in every movie, and you will see this in every bar and every woman you ever try to pick up and talk to and approach. You will see this. Women will hand you a failure. Women will make it hard for you. And I believe deep down in the feminine psyche, they want to know how does this man handle failure? Hmm. And if you tuck your tail between your legs and you walk away, some part of her thinks I was correct not to say to him right away because he can't, he has no stamina. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to play with it. You need to be able to take that hit and not collapse and keep your sense of humor and keep your sense of play. Yeah, this is reminding me, I mean, on a, a very practical level, when I was going out and trying to meet women in bars, some of the best advice I ever got from any person was to just stay there. <laughs> like the first thing they say is not the end, end of the conversation. But something you said earlier about failures, I'm mean, thinking of the extremes, like, fa like failing on the battlefield or something. Like some of the like, uh, stories that stir me up, or I think stir a lot of men up, are like epic defeats, like the Alamo, or I'm thinking of like, have you ever seen the the movie Glory with Matthew Broderick and uh, and uh, Morgan Freeman? I think it's, I did, but it was it was a while ago. I don't. Even I remember know. I, I saw it. It was a while ago. Like I was thinking of a fort in, in the south, and they. All it was like a black regiment. It was the first black regiment in the Civil War, and they got destroyed. But like the the the, the pinnacle scene is that they they all fought valiantly and then died together. And like, I remember like. Only men get emotional about that. I think there is something inherently because you recognize that's a virtue. Like they were outnumbered, whatever, but they died with honor, so so called. And I think I that's yeah. I don't think it I totally hear you and I'm on board with that. But I think the I think what we are responding to is not the death per se. It's that they were valiant. They did right. not quit. They did not power. They had enough metal to keep going. And, but, you know, the great stories of victory are also of battles that look exactly like that. But then by a hair, you gain the victory. Right. Right. That's what all the great stories are about, that right up to the end, you are not sure which way it's going to go. It really is a tight battle. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the stomach to pour all your courage, all your metal, all your energy into that battle, you will never know what side of line you fall on. Right. Because you give up, you definitely will lose. <laughs> if you give up, you will definitely lose and you will be a coward and you will have no journey and you will have probably betrayed your people. Mm -hmm. You would have quit in between. You would have, you would have abandoned the people to the right and left of you who are counting on you. Mm -hmm. You would have been dishonorable. Right. So until you pour all of yourself into it, every competition, my lord, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a goddamn battle where it's life and death. It could be a spelling bee competition or some shit like that. You still have to go all in. You won't know which side you're gonna come on unless you go all in. Mm -hmm. I and mean, if you're afraid to go all in because you're terrified of defeat, well then you've lost already. What I mean, and again, so all of that comes down to you cannot have such a low tolerance for failure or the possibility of failure. Because the game doesn't even start if that fear is ruling your life. Where nothing's going to happen. Nothing will get mm -hmm. started. So it's like crucial. It's like almost like a switch that's needed. If, you, if your fear of failure is that high, nothing gets started. Mm -hmm. Nothing will happen in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I want to go tie this back to something you said earlier, because you, you've mentioned the Grapes of Wrath thing to me. I think it might have been in the last time we, we did a podcast. Um, and I, I don't know if I thought about it in this way before, but like there's something about in such a situation, the masculine pole, like setting the reality. Like if he if he crumbles because the, the earth is scorched or something, well, then then the family is truly fucked. Right. And um and uh, I mean, when you look at it that way, it kind of makes sense why a woman would be hard on a man or like, uh, yeah, I mean, lose attraction for someone who's yeah. folding to pressure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, so I don't know, this is definitely, this might not be your language. I, I use the word reality a lot, but, um, would you say that, as, I mean, maybe not even taking this out of the man woman dynamic, but let's say Dom sub in a relationship, like outside of a scene, for instance, that is kind of the role is like creating the reality per se. Like, would you say? Well, I'm not understanding your question. Like, um, the woman sees the, I mean, using the example you you brought up, the woman is looking at the man to know what the truth is, even if the, the, the what his, his, his assertion of the truth is, because if let's, let's say he decides that we're fucked, then the family's truly fucked. Um, I don't, that's not completely resonating with me. I would, I don't think whether you're looking for confirmation of truth or reality from the man, you kind of need, I think women are looking to see that the man is still present and solid and functioning and useful. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite seeing the reality part that you're referring to. Okay. Fair enough. I might, I might be tying too many things together. Um, uh, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, going back to what you're saying, I think I'll speak for my generation best I can. I think a lot of guys just need to recognize that failure is not the end. Like I have this course on, uh, on masculinity and every day there's like a short exercise that some of them are challenging. Some of them are not. And in like the e email sequence, there's one challenge that I knew a lot of people might just not do. And I had like a, the one that comes after that was like, if, uh, what if you failed yesterday? And that email gets the most responses from my students of like, wow, that really was meaningful to you. And I, I kind of anticipated they would, a lot of guys would just give up on whatever day of the challenge it was. But like, it's just really surprising, especially younger guys of like, oh, I, I missed day five, like it's over for me. And sometimes they just needed to be reminded like, oh, it's okay to fail. <laughs> Your choice is what matters to press on with this thing, which is fairly inconsequential, a challenge they're doing on the internet as opposed to like other things, but it ties to the same virtue of, yeah. You know, one, one thing that I can say on this is there is a, this is one thing I have observed within myself, with another man. This might be just a human characteristic, not even just necessarily just a masculine characteristic, but I think it applies a bit more to the masculine psyche, which is there's a, such a thing. I think there's almost another switch in our brain, which might be under the switch. It's written finality of failure. Like, mm -hmm. do you, do you, do you, are you interpreting this failure as being final? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no coming back from this failure. And if that, if men reach that point within their brain, they get completely demoralized. So it's not so much that I failed today. It's so much, it's that I cannot really see a path to success. Hmm. And if that happens in the male psyche, I think they, they completely quit. Hmm. That can be very, very demoralizing. And I feel, so maybe that circuit is being triggered prematurely. Like any failure, they think is final. You know, girl rejected me today. Oh, no girl is ever going to go for me. If you if your brain goes to that place, well, then it's maybe logical for you never to approach a woman again, if you really believe that. But that that's a mental distortion. That's actually not correct. Yeah, and I think there's a, like a kind of comfort or relief you get from the assuming it's a final rejection as opposed to staying within the uncertainty of. Is it going to be yes or no? Like, because once you have a, once you decide on finality, there's no more tension in the situation. Yeah, but there's no more tension, but what are you going to do? Sit around with your thumb up your ass for the rest of your life? <laughs> right. I mean, like, what? You've you've just quit. So, I mean, even if you quit once, fear. Let's say you quit one area where you feel, you know what? I'm never going to be as good a violin player as I want to be. Okay, maybe that happens to people. And I mean, that happens to people. People take on. Uh, Things like sports and music are good examples of this because things are so external. Let's say you are a swimmer and you're a great swimmer in high school, you have great dreams, and then you reach a certain level and you realize, wow, yeah, I'm not even close in the top 10 percentile. Yeah. I'm maybe a better swimmer than 99% of the people on the planet, but at the competition level, I'm just not that good. And it's a reality check. Same thing maybe for musicians. Like, well, I'm a pretty decent violin player, but I'm never going to be professional, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's a healthy adjustment to make. That's a good reality check. But that doesn't mean 
if you can't succeed in this particular field, you should quit everything. That your failure is final as a human being. Yeah. You can succeed. I find something else where you can tackle failure and keep going. Mm-hmm. In your workshops, uh, I'm curious, does this come up a lot? Because I, I have I've turned a lot of guys onto things like Shibari and 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 Doming, and I remember the discomfort with it, especially initially never having done something a thing. And I've heard from a lot of guys that they get frustrated, they realize they're not holding the right space or something, and then they they feel the same thing. And it's it's more than just a life challenge because you have a person who's vulnerable or trying like is there something you suggest to novices or trying to enter a, a dom First of all, this situation? happens all the time. It happens all the time. It happens with anybody who occupies the dom position. But men are specifically susceptible to it, especially when they hear from their female partner that she's not having a good time. Mm-hmm. That something didn't work for her. Men tend to collapse really quickly, saying. I'm never going to be good at this. And the solution for that is really not rocket science. It's like be nice to each other and keep doing it. You're in the learning stages. It's again, good analogy would be like ballroom dancing. You you take a partner and you go learn a new dance. And this is your first lesson, a second lesson, and third lesson, and you're frustrated already. If the woman is frustrated, the guy is not leading her well, and he's making mistakes, well, you're not helping your guy any because now he's more in his head. The guy's frustrated. He's not dancing elegantly. By the second lesson, I'm like, you're being unrealistic. The only solution is take it easy. Go light. Maintain some lightness. Maintain some playfulness. Otherwise, you will never acquire mastery. You will never really reach any levels because you're killing yourself and you're killing your partner off too early in the game. Nothing will happen. Mm -hmm. It won't work. And yeah. again, this topic comes up pretty much every single class. Mm-hmm. And it is it is difficult. I can tell you, I mean, it's not like I blame them for feeling what they feel. Trying something and having someone be harsh with you or disappointed in you, it sucks. It really hurts. So I think some some consciousness and tenderness is needed on both parts. You have to be in a win-win game where you're doing this together and you're trying to create something together. If you're, in, if you're in the business of killing each other off, that's not a very interesting game and nothing generative and creative is gonna come out of that. Mm-hmm. Like in DS play is really one of, one of the very, that attitude is badly needed in, in, in the DS realm because breakdowns are guaranteed. I don't even care if you are a pretty advanced player and you've been doing this for a while. Because we play with our very complicated erotic makeup and we're playing with emotions and we're playing with our triggers shit's going to happen things are going to go wrong and if you don't have a plan in place if you don't have an attitude in place for dealing with failures for keeping your heart open for still wanting your partner to win then you know what you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna create disaster and exit the scene pretty early on because breakdowns are coming they're guaranteed Mm-hmm. We can say that for any relationship. I mean, what relationship? Any relationship you get into, breakdowns are coming. If you don't have a stomach to deal with them, and if you're ready to kill your partner at the first sign when they are less than perfect, you might as well quit now. What's mm-hmm. the point? Really? All right. All right. And I think I think the younger generation might be plagued, plagued by this in their intimate relationships. They simply don't have the tolerance are the skill to deal with breakdowns, to deal with tight spots, to deal with when what they're doing is not working. They don't know how to like come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am, like I said, I am optimistic that it is swinging back to another direction. I think there was maybe a transition post-feminist generation that uh, got the worst of it. Um, but I mean, there's enough people on both sides that recognize these, these virtues are important. I feel that way too kind of crazy i'm feeling like more hopeful today than i was maybe even six months ago yeah but i don't know it might it just might be that i'm in a little bit of an echo chamber with my community because i'm hearing from people who resonate with what i do so i don't have a complete sense of what's happening at the population level but that certainly is my hope yeah because i don't think the the other side i don't think the 
participation trophy generation is doing that well. I don't right. think they have that much to offer. I don't think the feminists who are the feminists who are screaming obscenities in the faces of men who want to have a conversation about male suicide are doing anything worthwhile in our society. I don't think they're contributing or creating anything worthwhile. I hope those people don't don't have a bigger uh, presence and platform and voice in the world. I hope their voice shrinks. I don't think there's a good voice in this. I think they are pretty, pretty ugly, pretty sociopathic, and they are under the guise of victimhood. Like, oh, we are, we are the oppressed ones, and I'm like tired of this bait and switch. You are not the oppressed one. You are the oppressors at this point. You are the assholes at this point. Not buying it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is great to speak about uh, failure and resili resilience. Um, uh, I know you said uh, you have one workshop for sure in Amsterdam and you're looking at other cities in Europe this spring. I have two workshops in Amsterdam, uh, June 6th and 7th. And then the weekend after that, I'm teaching my level one and level two. And I probably will be teaching in other cities in Europe, still figuring out the logistics. Might be in Berlin, might be in Prague. Cool. Possibly cool. Vienna. We'll see. Yeah, so I'll, be in, uh, I'll be in Berlin in July. Yeah. So I'd love to stop by if it happens to line up. I'll, I'll update you as that schedule comes together. I'm also teaching here. I'm going to Austin in February. We'll back, be back in Miami in March. Uh, Lori and I are in Portland in May. We're in Toronto. I think also in later in March. So there's a bunch of classes. You can just go to homerfund.org. Everything's listed there. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Om. My pleasure, Rolf. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.